Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 13. Paul says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, that reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one, one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Now as we deal with verses 1-13 through 13 tonight, I want you to understand, we're going to deal mostly with these verses we won't be able to fully deal with it. This whole section that I just read to you here about the Gentiles, that's going to be next time we get together. We won't meet next week because of Christmas, but we will meet the week after that back on January 3rd, and we will pick up about this Gentiles section of this passage at that time. But I don't know if you caught this or not, but this section that we just read is connected to chapter 14, and it's continuing Paul's thoughts and instruction on this matter Notice the words that he used in chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, and again in chapter 15, verse 7. Look at chapter 14, 1 through 3. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. The person, one person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Look at chapter 15, verse 7. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So you can see that this is all connected. When Paul wrote this, he didn't say, okay, that's the end of chapter 14. Now we're going to start chapter 15. This is all one letter to the church there in Rome. And these sections are combined. The word welcome, by the way, some of your translations might say accept, which I think is a good translation. Accept one another as Christ has accepted us. In other words, since God has accepted you by your faith in him, accept each other and stop trying to make others earn his acceptance and yours. And what, what, what I mean by that is this. We have a tendency in Christendom at times to try to put people back under rules and regulations in order to be made right with God. Because we still, in our flesh, want to feel like we have to earn God's approval. And we have a tendency to judge other people by whether they do Christian, the Christian walk like we do the Christian walk, or do they uh, celebrate the things we celebrate or avoid the things that they should avoid. And we control whether or not people are accepted by God and whether or not we accept them. And you're accepted by God by what? But through grace, through faith, right? And that's it. In the same way, we're to accept each other as brothers and sisters and not try to make people earn God's acceptance 
through the rule following and not make them receive our acceptance or earn our acceptance through rule following. Paul then reiterates that we should be seeking to build each other up. Look over here at verse uh, 2. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up, not to tear each other down. Look at Romans 14 verse 19 as well. In Romans 14 verse 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. We have a tendency sometimes to think that we're helping build people up by correcting them and telling them how to live their lives, when actually, in doing so, we're actually tearing them down. This is an illustration I've used in years past, but I hope it'll help you. Years and years ago, when, when my son AJ was young and playing basketball for the, one of the first times, he's always been tall. I've always been jealous of my son's height. I, I got to play basketball in college, and if I ever was as tall as him, who knows what I could have done. But I've been jealous of his height, but as a dad who actually was good at basketball and played in college, I wanted to help him get better at the game. And one day I was sitting in the stands cheering for him as he was playing in a, like a junior high kind of an age group, and he had a breakaway layup, and he put it off the backboard a little bit too hard, and it went bouncing off, and he missed a wide-open layup. Me, in my desire to help him, because I know how to play the game better than him. I stood up in this gymnasium full of people in my seat and from my seat and I yelled, "Softer off the backboard next time." And I watched my son's shoulders just fall as he ran back on defense. What I thought was helpful actually hurt him cuz I embarrassed him in front of all those people. Your intentions may be good, but that still doesn't mean you did the right thing when you're pointing out your brother or your sister's errors or what you think are errors, which may not even be errors. The Bible says we should be seeking to build each other up. Well, how do we do this then? Well, the Bible actually tells us there's lots of ways to do it. We, but the best way to build each other up is to teach each other how to follow Jesus and His Word for themselves. You don't build someone up by making them become your disciple. You build someone up by teaching somebody how to grow up into Him who is the head, how to walk with Jesus. Paul himself had to warn the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. He said this, he said, I know that after I leave, savage wolves are going to come in among the flock and try to take away for themselves disciples to follow them. And what does he say to them? But I commit you to God and his word, which is able to build you up. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 32. I want you to see it. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. We'll start in verse 29. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. They want them to be followers of them, not Jesus. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to what? Build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. 
We build each other up by pointing people to Jesus and His Word. Go back to Romans 14. Paul had already been saying that to us, as we saw last week. Look at verse 4. Romans chapter 14, verse 4. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld. For the Lord is able to make him stand. Look at verses 7, chapter 14, verses 7 through 12. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we're the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother, or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. You want to build someone up? You teach them how to spend time in the Word and let the Holy Spirit, Jesus himself, guide them in how they're to live their lives. Teach them how to listen to the Holy Spirit. Teach them how to listen to their consciences that God is going to use at the same time. And that's why Paul said, when he, even though he knew in the Lord that everything was, was okay and permissible and he was, he, there wasn't anything that was unlawful, if it caused my brother's conscience to be pricked, I'm not going to tell him, don't do that. You know, don't worry about that. Because Paul said, I'm more interested in my younger or weaker brother learning how to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit through their conscience. So you want to build each other up? You don't have them follow your set of rules. You point them to Jesus and His Word, which is able to get them there. But what if they take His Word and twist it? I think He can handle it. Have you ever thought about the fact that God left us with His Word and His Holy Spirit? I mean, there's a lot riding on this, don't you think? The fate of the world. God says, it's all right. My word's powerful. I'm not impotent. But the Lord, there might be people that twist your word. Oh, they're going to. There's going to be doctrines taught by demons. There's going to be people that all get led astray. But my sheep know my voice. And they follow me. You fall into a dangerous place when you think it's your job to tell everybody how to live their life. Have you ever noticed that the Bible is full of a lot of encouragement? And you're going to see some of this in a second, about how the Bible says, live lives of holiness. Does it, doesn't it say that? But it doesn't tell you specifically what holiness looks like. We were, that's what the Pharisees did when the, the law said, keep honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. They then said, okay, in order to do that, you have to do this and do that and don't do this and don't do that. And we've done the same thing in the Christian church. And I say to you folks, don't take the role of the Holy Spirit. Everybody's going to stand before him. You want to build each other up, you point them to Jesus and how to follow him. Go to Ephesians 4. Because there's more here than that. It's more than just pointing each other to the word of God and how to hear from the Holy Spirit themselves. In Ephesians chapter 4, look at verses 11 through 16. And he, this he in this passage is God, and God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Did you catch that? The pastors, some are apostles, some are prophets, some are evangelists, some are pastor teachers. Their job is to equip who to do the work of the ministry? The saints. 
Um, but oh, haven't we over the years said someone need to be saved? Call the pastor. Someone's sick? Call the pastor. And we've actually made the work of the ministry the pastor's job when the Bible says all along the pastors are supposed to be equipping you to do the work of the ministry. And when you all are doing the work of the ministry, the body is built up. So it's more than just you pointing people to God's word and his spirit and how to follow Jesus. It's also you using the gifts that God's given you to help each other follow Jesus. And the body will be built up. Keep reading. Listen what happens next. For the building up of the body of Christ, verse 13, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into who? Into him, Jesus, who is the head of into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it, there it is again, builds itself up in love. So not only do you help point people to God's word and how to follow Jesus, and what's the Holy Spirit saying to you in this instance, you also at the same time are supposed to be using the gifts that God's given you to equip the body or to build the body up by you using the gifts God's given you as you love each other in this whole journey of following Jesus. My role, my gifting, is to feed you the Word of God, to teach you the Word of God. But if I say become followers of Jim Johnson in my doctrine, I would be sinning. No, I'm going to teach you what I believe the Word is saying and what I believe the Holy Spirit's wanting me to tell you. But I want you to go find out and follow for yourself. But I want to show you what His Word says so that you will grow. I want to feed you the word, feed you the word, feed you the word. I'm not an evangelist. I've had the privilege of seeing people come to know Jesus, but my main calling is to equip the saints. My main calling is to preach to Christians, to have them grow in their walk with Jesus Christ. And that's what lights my fire. Now, my brothers who are, and sisters who are evangelists, who have the, the gift of sharing in that way, God love them. But they better not judge me because I'm not out knocking on every door. And I better not judge them because they're not discipling them. No, no. Use your gifts and you, the body will be built up. But use your gifts to point them to who? Jesus. So if your gift is mercy and your gift is helps, don't say, I'm here for you. You say what? Jesus is here for you. And he sent me to point you to him. Go ahead. God's got it. I think we've heard that somewhere in the past, haven't we? We're to encourage each other to holy living, believing that Jesus will show each of us what that will look like in each of our lives. Instead of giving people rules to follow for holy living, we're to encourage each other to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and their consciences and to live our lives in such a way that we won't be a bad example. Go to Ephesians 4, where we left, we're left off. Look at verses 17 and following. And tell me if this doesn't sound familiar. Paul said, now I, this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed and practice, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, 
to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through the deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let, them, let, let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may be may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now here Paul lays out a lot of instruction to holy living, but if you notice, he doesn't get down to the minutia of how to do these things. He just says, avoid sensuality. Live holy. Thief, if you're a thief, stop stealing. But he doesn't then come on and say, and by the way, if you're curious what stealing is, let me tell you what stealing is. And then he'll give you all the things that he thinks are stealing. That's where we sin. We take a passage that says stop stealing, and we would say, okay, here's the things you better not be doing. And we go beyond that. Whose role is it to teach each of us what is stealing in each of our lives? Whose role is that? The Holy Spirit's. So we're to encourage each other toward love and good deeds and let the Holy Spirit show each of us what that looks like. Now, for some, they might not be where you and I are. But if you look back over your life, there were things you used to do that you don't feel comfortable doing now as you've grown in your walk with the Lord. But years ago, you did. Well, how'd you get to where you are? Well, I went to this seminar and this preacher told me, no. You walk, grew in your understanding and listened to the Holy Spirit. And now there are things that you look back on and you're like, wow, I didn't believe I used to think that was funny. I don't now. But the Holy Spirit got you there. Do you understand what I'm saying? And he'll get your brother and sister there as well. As we grow in our knowledge of the Lord and we mature in our walk, those of us who are strong have an obligation to bear with those who are still weak. You see that? But not to become their judges. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read to you verses 1 through 21. And notice how the encouragement is here to follow Jesus and his word and to be sensitive to the spirit. All right. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. How? The Lord will show you that. And walk in love. How? Well, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But Jim, give me the specifics. Just tell me what I'm supposed to do and not supposed to do. No, that's the Holy Spirit's job. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness might not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that's an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, 
But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So once again, here in this big long section of Paul encouraging them to holy living, does he get into the details of what is right and what is wrong? No. So beware of the preachers that tells you what level of rating you're supposed to be able to go watch at a movie theater. We've had that, haven't we? If you're a good Christian, you won't go to name the level. But that's not our job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But I want you to go back with me and look at a few verses that point people to Jesus and to his word and being sensitive to the spirit. Look at chapter five again, verse one. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. You're going to need to know what the Spirit of God is telling you if you're going to imitate Him. Go to chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. For at one time you were darkness, in the, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to what? Discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Jim, just tell me. By the way, when I was a younger preacher and pastoring churches, people would tell me, just tell me what I'm supposed to do. And I used to think I could. As I grew in my walk with the Lord, I realized I'm not the Holy Spirit. That's, that's his job. I'm going to tell you, if your conscience is pricked and the Holy Spirit's not letting you do it, you better not do it. But I know it, it doesn't feel right, but so-and-so said it was okay. Oh, so you're a follower of so-and-so now instead of the Holy Spirit that lives with... You understand what I'm saying? And people wanted the preacher to say, just tell me this is okay. And I used to, and I don't do that anymore. I'm going to look you in the eye and say, what's the Lord telling you? And if you say, I don't know, I'll say, well, that's an even bigger issue. Because we need to be able to know what he's saying because the sheep know his voice. Look at verse 19. I like verse 15 through 18 first, then verse 19. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't get drunk or under the control of wine, for that's debauchery, but be under the control or filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in what? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and making melody with, to the Lord with your heart. In other words... We should be focusing on the Word of God, pointing people to the Word of God, and letting the Holy Spirit show them how that means that they're to live it out. 
for years, it's always been kind of interesting to me that I will finish preaching a sermon and I know what my message was. And I, I've always taught preachers, what's the one thing you want them to go home with if you're preaching a sermon? What's the one thing you want them to go home with? And use the scripture to help them to see it. And I will finish preaching a sermon where I know what the one thing is I wanted everybody to go home with. And as I'm shaking hands with people afterwards, they'll say, man, I thank God for your message today. Because when you said this, it spoke right to my heart. And I'm thinking, going, I didn't say that. But as I was preaching in one direction, the Holy Spirit took the word of God and spoke to them in another direction right where they were. And they'll say, how did you know? And I'm like, were you even listening to me? Because I don't remember saying that. I was preaching down this road. But the Holy Spirit took that same word and spoke to where they were because it's alive. It's living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to discern between soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Folks, and it knows the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Point them to the word of God and let the Holy Spirit show them the specifics of how then they're to live it out. We have a tendency to want to be their God. Oh, and one last thing. We expose darkness not by pointing it out, but by living out the light in us. Listen closely to what he says here. Look again at verse 10. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And that does not mean then you stand on the street corner and say, that's sin, that's sin, that's sin. Because the very next verse says, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Well, how do we expose the darkness if we're not to point it out? You live as a light. You know, we live here in Florida, and I'm sure a few of you have seen a cockroach or two in your house. We pay a guy to come every so many day, weeks to spray inside and out to keep them away. But we know when it's about time for Steve to come back and spray our house because they'll start showing up upside down, but they start showing up. But, you know, before we had the bug guy come out on our back porch, you go out in the middle of the night when they're not expecting you and you flip the light on. All of a sudden you see him scurry. Do you have to go and say, you're a cockroach, you're a cockroach, you're a cockroach? All you do is turn on the light and they realize, Whoop. we don't expose darkness by pointing it out. We expose it by living the light. By the way, if you live your life in such a way that someone says, excuse my French, especially in these days we live in now, that's a good thing. Because if they're saying, excuse my French, and you never said anything, they're sensing something different about you. The light is exposing darkness. Go to Colossians chapter 3. You're going to see this again. Verses 1 through 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Well, how do I do that? The Lord will show you. Spend time in his word. Spend time in prayer. And the Lord will show you. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. 
Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Did you catch that? The new self that you have, he's writing to believers. He's saying you're going to still struggle with the flesh. You're going to still fall into patterns of sin. But you need to learn how to put these away. And one thing that will help you is if you understand that he who began the good work in you is going to keep working and he's going to bring it to conclusion. And even though our outer bodies are getting older and falling apart, your inner man, the new you, is being renewed each day in the image of its creator. So guess what? The Holy Spirit that lives within you, even though I don't think he's doing a good enough job or fast enough, is actually able to get you where he wants you to be. And I need to know that and I need to be able to trust that. And it'll be easier for me and you to get along if we understood this and let that specifics of the Christian life be taken care of by the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 11. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, do you notice in this whole big section... Paul doesn't give them specifics of this is what it looks like and this is what it doesn't. No, he then says, live this way. Put off this stuff, put on this stuff, learn how to walk in the spirit and spend, each time, in, spend time in the word, encourage each other with the word and let the Holy Spirit take it from there. Let the Holy Spirit take it from there. Go back to Romans 15. Now let's read verses one through seven again and see if it doesn't make a little more sense. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Stop. How do we tend to please ourselves when we see a brother or sister struggling in certain areas? We would tell them what we would do, right? Because that makes ourselves feel good. Back in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Paul says this. He says, if you see your brother caught in a transgression, not if he does it once in a while, but who's caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual, restore them gently, but examine yourself first. Make sure your motives are pure before you even go talk to your brother or sister. The Bible is very clear when Jesus taught, judge not lest you be judged. For the same measure you judge, you'll be, it'll be held to you. The Bible actually, if you want to know what the whole of Scripture says about judging and not judging, the whole of Scripture says this, assume never to make a judgment about your brother or sister, about somebody. But for those who have been given that role and who are spiritual, who can handle it properly, those are the ones who have been given their instruction by God to do it and to do it gently and with love. Now, 
you'll know the difference between noticing something right away and the Holy Spirit releasing you to, and showing you specifically how to lovingly help them in this situation. God has gifted me with discernment, and I'm gifted by God as a part of what he has me do as I go and help churches get back to walking with him and back to his word, is I'm able to go into a church setting, and if I've never been there, within the first five, ten minutes, he's given me a pretty good oversight as to what's going on, who the powers are, what's really going on, who, some of the things that are going on behind the scenes. When I was younger in this, I used to go and try to fix it because I saw it. I just assumed if God showed it to me, he'd want me to deal with it. But as I've grown in my walks with him, I've started to realize that just because he showed me didn't mean that I was supposed to deal with it until later on, if at all. He was showing it to me so that I would know what I was dealing with, but I still had to check with him on what to speak to and what not to speak to. Some of you ladies are prayer warriors. God actually calls a lot of women to be prayer warriors, men as well, but mostly it's women. And he shows you things in your prayer, but unfortunately, your pastors don't like that. Because you make lots of appointments with your pastors because the thing God shows you, you feel like you're supposed to go tell the pastor. But if your gift is prayer, why did he show it to you? So that you'd pray. And I've learned that I will not speak on what I've seen until God shows me when and how. And I'm assume that I'm not to. If it is something he wants me to deal with, he will show me and he'll show me the time and I wait on that. That's hard because a lot of us have been taught the opposite, you know, especially when it comes to evangelism. How many of us have grown up under the teaching of, well, you were on an airplane for four hours with the person next to you. Did you share the four, four spiritual laws? Did you give them the Roman road? Because we were taught you have this opportunity. You need to make sure they got the gospel. But I've been learning that actually sometimes God wants me just to sit there and pray for this person. And when the door opens, that's when I'm to open, walk through it. But other, until then, I keep looking for that opportunity. And when God is at work, that's when you join him. But you don't try to run ahead of him and go to work for God. And without trying it, without realizing it, we've thought God has needed our help in so many areas. Again, I've been praying about this for years, but I haven't been released by God to put it together in a whole series. But one day, if God tarries and he lets me, I want to do a whole series of messages for a week sometime at a church or wherever on how we have taken over the role of the Holy Spirit in our churches because we think he needs our help. And it's manifested itself in so many different levels, in our evangelism, in our worship, in our lots of different aspects. But that's another message for another time. Go back to Romans 15. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome or accept one another as Christ has welcomed or accepted you for the glory of God. I want to show hands. If How many of you even know what I'm talking about? How many of you know that where the Bible and the Gospel of John talks about the fact that Judas had been stealing from the treasury? How many of you know about that passage? All right. Do we see anywhere in Scripture 
that Jesus dealt with Judas about that? Let me ask you this question. Did Jesus know? Of course he knew. But he never removed Judas from being in charge of the treasury for three years. He was in charge of the treasury. Jesus knew that he was stealing, yet we don't see him ever dealing with it. But actually, we do. We dismissed it. Because actually, you'll see a time where Jesus is standing and he says, don't store up for yourself treasure on heaven. I mean, on earth, but store it up in heaven. Then he goes on and he talks about when he talked about the seed that is thrown out and it falls on the thorny soil and it's choked by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth. Jesus was allowing the Holy Spirit and the word of God to get into the heart of Judas. But we don't see anywhere that Jesus was dealing with Judas about his stealing specifically, directly. You know why? There were bigger issues in Judas's life. The whole idea that Jesus was himself God. The whole idea that Jesus himself was the Messiah. The whole idea that Jesus was had to come as the, the suffering servant and to be crucified on our behalf. And if you look at Judas, Judas, he was willing to follow Jesus until it became really evident in the last few days and weeks that, wait a minute, he's not going to take over Rome. He's not going to set up his kingdom now. And Judas was more interested in money and the things of this world, and he went away. Just because you see it doesn't mean you're supposed to deal with it. Pray for somebody. You see something, pray for them. If you see them caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual, you restore them gently between you and your brother or your sister. But wait until the Lord tells you when and how. Don't be in a hurry. Don't be excited. I see sin. Uh, you would be amazed how many pastors get emails. Used to be letters or phone calls. Pointing out all the things that our children have done. Or I've had people tell even Becky how she's supposed to wear her hair as a wife of a pastor. You'd be amazed how the church today attacks each other because we all want to build ourselves up by pointing out everybody else's failures. I came to realize over the years that when a Christian brother or sister started acting out of character from how they used to be, and all of a sudden they're now controlling and complaining about things that are happening in the church, I started to realize that it was because things were starting to get out of control in their own life. Whether there was an addiction of some sort or a marriage was breaking up or the kids were rebelling. But something was going on in their own personal life that in their minds was out of control and they wanted control somewhere and they started to try to get control in the church. Be careful. We all want to be God, don't we? Uh, don't say you don't. We do. It's still in your flesh and still in mine. We don't want to, but we want to. <laughs> the things we don't want to do, we do. We have to lay our flesh on the altar daily. And that's going to be a daily thing. But the more we grow in the walk with the Lord, the more we'll bear with the brother and sister. who's not quite there yet. And we do it to build them up. Now, before we wrap up tonight, there's something in verses 4 through 6 that I can't wait to show you. Listen to verses 4 through 6 again. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. 
May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice how the scriptures were given for our what? No. Look at the words that are here. What's the first one? Endurance and encouragement. Now look at verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement. Don't miss that. There's something here that we really need to see. We, we, we not only need these today, endurance and encouragement, don't we? It also tells us that God knew what these days would be like. And it shows us who he is and how he's acting toward us in these days. The scriptures were given to us for our endurance and for encouragement. I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand because I know everybody in the room would raise their hand. But anybody here need some endurance right now? Anybody else need some encouragement right now? Good grief are things getting wacky. Good grief. Or we got to just turn the news off, man, because that's not helping. But let me just tell you, we need endurance right now. We need encouragement. And everything we need is here. The scriptures were given for our endurance and our encouragement. Oh, and not only that. God is a God of endurance and encouragement. Your heavenly father is cheering you on right now. He's not sitting back and saying, well, let's just see how they do. No, he's rooting for you. He wants you to do well. He's trying to encourage you. He's reminding you of his truth. He's reminding you of his word. He's bringing it to your remembrance. Whatever you put in, he'll bring to your remembrance. God is a God of love encouragement, joy, peace, hope. That's who God is. Well, God, isn't he a God of wrath? Yes, but we've already been removed from that. His wrath has been removed from us who are his children. His wrath is still waiting on those who have rejected him for those of us who are in Christ. That's why the angels came and we celebrated at Christmas, came and say, joy to the world, peace on whom his favor rests. Well, who does his favor rest on? For those who trust in him. For those who have received his forgiveness. He's separated our sin as far as the east is from the west. If while we were his enemies, he died for us, how much more will we be spared from his wrath? Folks, God's love, encouragement, joy, hope, peace, that's who he is toward us right now. And if you're not feeling it, it's because you ain't drinking from the right place. Isn't that what Paul said in Ephesians 4? Chapter 5, I mean. Don't get drinking and your, your happiness and your drunkenness from wine. Be filled with the Spirit. You need to drink daily. Jesus said, whoever believes in me, out of him will flow rivers of living water. He'll never thirst again. And the Lord says to us on a daily basis, I'm here, drink. I'm here, drink. If you're struggling, if you're depressed, if you are hurting, yes, those are all normal feelings. And we live in these fleshly bodies. But if Jesus is in you, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. May the God of endurance and encouragement give you hope. We just got to spend time in his word. And folks, the more this book gets into my heart, the more peace I have. Yes, things are happening on this globe that are getting worse and worse. But you know what? Everything's right on schedule according to the word. And we're getting closer to the return of Jesus. Oh, I love it. I, the man, I preached 
this past Sunday at a church in Merritt Island, and after this message of encouragement, the man comes up to me afterwards, and he said, you reminded me of something that I've heard recently. It needs to be a bumper sticker. And I said, what's that? He said, wrong, I'm sorry, normal will never be back, but Jesus will be. Isn't that encouragement? Normal will never be back, but Jesus will be. I like that. Go to Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in what? In believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. What's the part you have to do? Very good, Jeremy. Believe. That's it. Oh, by the way, do you believe? But is your prayer not more like mine and that guy in the Bible that said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. We do believe, but I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and I'm going to need his mercies again. I do believe. But I'm going to need to believe again tomorrow. And you and I need to believe again tomorrow. Oh, by the way, did you catch that? That's why we need each other. Because there's going to be days that I'm strong in faith and Charlie may be weak in faith. And I can come alongside of him and say, what's your problem, Charlie? If you're, Charlie, if you're really a good Christian, you'd be like me. <laughs> no, that's not it. That's building myself up and actually tearing him down. But if I, who am strong in faith at that time, say to my brother, Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And even though this has happened in your life, that doesn't mean any of that's changed. And there's going to be days that I'm weak in faith. And Charlie's going to be strong in faith. That's those days when he comes alongside of me. And he, too, would be sinning to say, Jim, why aren't you like me? No, he points me to Jesus. Do you understand that? We need each other. That's why the Bible says the only way we will know the height, the width, the depth, the breadth of the love of the Lord is together. Because that passage says... He prayed that together with all the saints, we may understand the height, the width, the depth, the breadth, the love of God. God's love for us, his encouragement, his hope, this peace, this joy has been designed by God in community, in fellowship. That's why the Lord's Supper is the only two things that are commanded besides baptism. The Lord's Supper reminds us he died for us. He didn't die for me. He died for us. That's why we take it. Unfortunately, we turned it into an individual thing and everybody's got to bow their heads and everybody's got to close their eyes as they hold the elements and consider what Jesus did for you. No, that's not the Lord's Supper. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the elements and he said, this is my body broken for all of you. As you eat it, do this in remembrance of me. And the reason he said as often as you do it and do it often, you do it to remember he put us together. Satan wants to alienate us and isolate us. It's no accident that the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 25, that we're to spur one another on toward love and good deeds and all the more as we see the day approaching. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Look at verses 16 and 17. 
Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Now for years I've taught on this passage and I've told people to skip out the middle section to understand what he's saying. We're going to skip out the middle section for a second and then we're going to bring it back. So let's read it without the middle section. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father establish them, establish you in every good work and word. Well, I've used this passage to show you that the one who established us in every good work and word is who? It's Jesus. All right. Now, Paul, in his wonderful way of writing run-on sentences, though, couldn't help but describe how God feels toward us as he does this. Wait a minute. This Jesus and God the Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. May he what? Comfort your hearts. Oh, and by the way, do you know what that word comfort actually means more than just a pat on the back? It means encourage, to strengthen. You go back and read an old English uh, book. You might hear a passage where it says the man comforted himself with his sword. Well, we, we think a comforter would be comfort or a quilt, right? But a sword? Actually, what it means is he drew strength because he had his sword. Do you see what I'm saying? He was encouraged and he had strength with his sword. In the same way, God is a God of comfort, but it's not just, hey, let me just put you in a, in a little warm bed and pat you on the head. No, he wants to encourage us, give us endurance and hope. And folks, I know every one of us, every one of us feels a little weary right now. And I, all I can say to you, my brothers and my sisters, is his name's Jesus. And it, he's described in these passages in such a way that you want to know him better. I know you already know him if he lives within you and if you've been saved, and I believe he does. I want to encourage you. Spend time with him. He'll give you the peace that passes understanding. He'll do a work in your heart that down the road, people will start to say, what's going on with you? And, and you won't be able to say, well, I've learned Jim Johnson's seven steps to the Christian life. No, I'm learning to walk with Jesus. And the more I get to know him, the more I fall in love with him. And the more I fall in love with him, the more I want to spend time with him. And if he's starting to splash out, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Look at 2 Thessalonians 3.5. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Remember, he's a God of endurance and what? Encouragement. May the God of endurance and encouragement fill you with all hope in believing. Don't miss this. We get our endurance and our encouragement from Jesus through what? This will make sure we find out whether or not I gotta start all over again. Go back to Romans 15. No. Look at verse 4 again. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of what? The scriptures. We might have hope. We get our endurance and our encouragement from Jesus through. His word. Go to Psalm 119. We got time to do this. Go to Psalm 119. 
No, we don't have time to read all of Psalm 119. Uh, we're going to be in verses 49 through 52. Exactly. Yes. The scriptures at the time Paul wrote it was the Old Testament. Exactly. Look at Psalm 119, verses 49 through 52. Remember your word to your servant, God in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Remember what Paul said to the Ephesian elders? He said there's going to be people who try to make disciples after themselves, and they're going to try to tear away the flock. I commit you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up. Romans 4. Romans 4, 22 through 25. Romans 4, verse 22. That is why faith was counted to him, Abraham, as righteousness. But listen, but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be accounted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus, our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So the scriptures weren't just written for people like Abraham and Moses. They were written for who? Us too. Those promises for him are ours now. They're ours. The Bible is full of promises for those who are in Christ. Maybe you need to go back and reread them. Maybe you need to go back and have God tell you, what they are again, so you can have encouragement and endurance and hope. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And, and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good Work. So let me say something to you. If God wants to establish you in every good work and word, and I'm to encourage you toward love and good deeds, what is he going to be pointing you to? And what should I be pointing you to? His word, which is him. Jesus is the word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've seen his glory. And we also, we encourage each other as we keep pointing each other to God and his word. I want you to just write these down. We don't have time to go there. I'm going to read a couple of them to you, though. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at verses 1 through 11. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We're not of the night or the darkness, so let's not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, 
having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, of, uh, helmet uh, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so whether we're awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you are doing. What is he saying? Look, we're of the day, not of the night. All this stuff that's going to happen, this wrath that's going to be poured out on the dark, darkness of the world, that's for them. We don't have to worry about times and seasons. You just know that that's going to happen to them and not us. We're not destined for that. When's Jesus going to come get us? Well, that's not for us to worry about. We're to be keep walking with him, living his children in the light. And when it's time, he's already promised he's going to come get us. Look at verses 14 and following of chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but don't just take everything in. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, and I got good news for you. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And write this one down. Look at it later on. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Because of the boldness that we have being in Christ, we can go right to the throne of grace and get help in our time of need. Oh, and our job is to encourage one another. Again, how do I encourage you? I point you to God and his word which is able to take care of it. Oh, and one of the best ways that I can actually live like I believe that his word is enough to take care of you is to have it be enough to take care of me. I love you. We'll see you in two weeks. Hope you have a great Christmas.